Welcome to another distinct nostalgia by MIM. More than a podcast. Now, our Funny Women series celebrating some of the great queens of sitcom over the years continues now with a look back at a legendary show which became a mainstay of the ITV schedules in the 1970s and is still being repeated to this day. From the stable of London Weekend Television... Came on the buses. The show had a brilliant ensemble cast who would also go on to feature in three spin-off feature films. Now, our guest became an iconic character who many still reference to this day decades on. We are, of course, talking about the rather dippy but much-loved Olive, played by the delightful Anna Karen, who would go on, of course, to play the caustic Aunt Sal in EastEnders. I'm sure Anna might have something to say about her Albert Square days, too. Have fun. Anna, lovely to talk to you. I grew up watching uh, On the Buses in the 1970s. I wasn't born until 1972, but there was it was on throughout the most of the 70s. But it actually yeah, started in the 60s, hadn't it? Is that right? Right in the 69, late 60s? 1969. 1969. January 1969, we started shooting it. Where did it come from? Whose idea was it? Do you know? It was Ronnie Wolfe and Ronnie Chesney who wrote The Rag Trade and... Um, and another, they'd written two or three different comedies, and they'd just done a thing called Wild Wild Women, which was a rag trade, but they'd taken it back to the 1920s. And they had Barbara Windsor in it, and Tony Palmer, and, uh, and I'd just done Carry On Camping with Barbara. And she said to me, oh, they're looking for a couple of people to do, it's only a small part, she said, that's what I did in the rag trade. So I said, she said, would you be interested? Oh, I said, yeah. So she fixed for me to go and see the guy. And he gave it to me. And I only had one line. Here comes Mr. Fenner, you know, and that sort of thing. And then while I was doing it, um, the two Ronnies who wrote it came in. And the one day they came in, I'd been sort of being very good. You know, I was made up and presentable. But I had flu and I thought, oh, God, I can't bear this. And they came in and they said, oh, you're just what we want. And I went, what? I said, we want to take you over to London weekend. I said, well, give me a minute. I'm just going to do my hair. And I, no, no, I said, we want you to go as you are, which was horrific. Anyways, I went over and met the director and uh, I got the job. And I did the job for five episodes. And then the two Ronnie said, we've got to take her. We're going to use her for on the buses. So it literally was like that. Fabulous. Now, when you just to stop, just so we don't confuse people, when you say the two Ronnies, you mean Ronald Ronnie, Ronnie Wolf and Ronnie Chesney. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Otherwise, people will be listening and thinking we we mean Ronnie Barker and Ronnie Corbett. No, 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 it's the other two Ronnies. <laughs> Fantastic. So, what did you know about it? As in, you know, what were you told that it was going to be? I was told it was going to be about a busman and his family, and that uh, Red Ronnie was playing the busman. And um, they said, we want her to be very plain. So I said, yeah, that's okay. So we went out for a day and sort of looked around all the bus stations and things. And I saw this woman who looked just like Olive, the hair parted and the glasses and terrible. And I went back and said, that's how I'd like her to be. In fact, the very first episode, I had a fringe for half of it and then no fringe for the second half because they wouldn't go back and shoot again. So, you know, it was just, 
it just stuck. It was very lucky. Fabulous. So, so you were part of the creation of Olive? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, because, you, you know, when you go into makeup rooms, they, they have their own ideas, but I had my idea from a woman I'd seen in the bus station. That's brilliant, that's brilliant. And did you know at that particular point who you might be starring with? I knew Reg was in it. I didn't know anyone else who was in it because Doris wasn't in the first series. Uh, it was Cicely Courtnage. Doris took over. What What happened then with Cicely Courtnage? What was I haven't the... a clue. No? We were never told. Really? She was just in the very first series and that was it? Yeah. Um, playing, what, the same part as Doris, was she? Yeah. Right, okay, okay, interesting. Um, so... You, you you obviously you say you knew it was about buses and um, yeah. it was some kind of you know and did you think it was going to be in the sort of style of the sort of the carry on kind of thing was that was likely it was going to be like that or I sort of did because I'd been in a carry on and you know and Bob would pick me up from there and I, I, but I was just so excited at getting a series I didn't really think you know and I was so terrified that on the first day we shot. Um, I came out and my hands were bleeding where I'd dug my nails into my hands. I was so frightened. Really? Really? I was really absolutely terrified because I thought these people are all established and, you know, I've only done a couple of lines here, there and everywhere and I really did get real stage fright. But, it, it, you know, it, in time it sorted itself out and Michael Robbins, who played Arthur, was terrific. He was really helpful. And uh, it just, and then after one series, we came in for the second series, and by the second episode, they said, you're number one on the charts. And I said, what? They said, on the buses is number one on the charts. And it was that quick, suddenly, we were being asked to go here and there and everywhere. And it was, it was quite overwhelming. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, we did uh, Battersea Funfair one, I think it must be the second year, and we were on top of a bus going around. And these people crowded in front of the bus and they said, we're not moving until Arthur kisses Olive. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, come on. You know, <laughs> I'd never experienced anything like that, you know. So it was really quite, quite fascinating. You say that at the beginning you were very nervous. But in yeah. a way, you can imagine Olive being quite nervous in different situations. I mean, you know, she was a... I mean, tell us a bit about her character, because she was she was quite interesting, wasn't she? Because she gave the impression of being, you know, a bit daft and all the rest of it. But yeah. actually, actually, she got, the be she got the better sometimes, didn't she? Yes. I think the thing is that Olive was extremely grateful that anyone married her. And... Uh, I based her on someone I knew who, whatever her husband said, went, oh, yes. And I used to think, what are you listening to him for, you know? But it really was like this person I picked on. And she always thought her husband was superior to the rest of the world. And I thought if I constantly think that, you know, Arthur's superior to every other man in the world, I'll be able to get away with this. And then we would have rows. But... The thing is, Olive loved him very much. Yeah, and he loved her, really, didn't he? I think he did in his own way. Yeah. In his own way. You yeah. know, but Michael was a, a, a played a tough husband, and he was great at it. He was, he was indeed. Um, so, obviously, you know, the, the other the other ensemble, because you were an ensemble cast, weren't you, basically, yeah. of people. Yeah. I mean, there's some fantastic... Let's just talk a bit about a bit about Reg... 
Rejvani. I mean, he'd been around for a long time, hadn't he? Because yes. he was quite an, quite an age at that particular point, wasn't he? I know. And he made he said I was his older sister. <laughs> he made a point. He said she's my older sister. And I thought, oh. but he was insistent. Yeah, and he he, he sort of. Um, I mean, tell you a bit, a bit about that that character. I mean, he was he was made for it, really, wasn't he? That sort of cheeky, yeah. chappy kind of role that he had with, uh, with with the with the other chap, Bob Grant, of course, who played uh, yeah. played Jack, didn't he? Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about that sort of that that relationship. I mean, you went. I mean, the point is that the show went on for a very very long time. So presumably, yeah. each of these characters evolved over time and went in lots of different directions. Really. Yes, they did. They did. You know, I mean. I, after a few episodes, it couldn't be all of saying, oh, yes, Arthur, oh, yes, Arthur, all the time. So, you know, we had the first time I had to actually row back with him. I had to throw a, a, a tin opener at him. And he ran out of, of the shot. And I said, what did you do that for? He said, well, I didn't think you'd hit the right place. You know, and that sort of, it, 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 all things like that developed. And then Bob Grant was very, you know, he could create almost anything, Bob. He was from Joe Littlewood's, you know, workshop. And so was Stephen Lewis. And of course, Stephen Lewis was just fantastic because he would have a line saying, okay, and he'd say, oh, no, 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 oh, no. And, and you know, we all sit there till he finished whatever he was making up. He was incredible, Stephen Lewis. I mean, that was the other thing about it, wasn't it? That although obviously there was the stories and the and the yeah. conversations and things, but it was actually quite visual, wasn't it? Oliver was a very visual character, yeah. And so was so was Blakey, and yes, so was and so was Bob's character actually. Yes, and funnily enough, I went up north uh, a couple of years ago. A man came up to me and said, "Can I just show you something?" And he makes trays of Stephen Lewis and I. Uh, shaking fists at each other. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> that's really, that's really, that's really good. That's really good. Um, so, yeah, let's say, just let's talk a little bit about some about some of the actors in it. So, Reg Varney, been around a long, long time, um, yes. and done a lot of work. And so, oh, yeah. for you, it must have felt really good to be working with him, was it? It did. It did. I was very much in awe of him. You know. Um, and I remember saying, I've got a telly series with Reg Varney. And people went, have you? And I said, yeah. You know, I was really sort of, very sort of frightened of him. But he was, he was, Reg was okay. He was, he was fine. And Doris was lovely. I mean, she, she'd been in the business forever. And she, she had wonderful stories of, you know, Noel Coward and people like that. And uh, then Bob and Stephen both came from Joel Littlewood's, um, Stratford East, where she did all her things like Lovely War and, you know, that sort of thing. Sparrows Can't Sing. And, uh, Barbara was in Sparrows Can't Sing, wasn't she? Yeah, right. Barbara played the lead in Sparrows Can't yeah. Sing. Yeah. And Barbara played in Lovely War in, in, on Broadway. So we were surrounded by that. And then, of course, as you say, Doris Hare, you knew. And Michael was the only one who was much more of a straight actor. Um, but God, he could be funny. He really was very funny. Yeah, I mean the casting was excellent, really, in, in a way. I mean, I mean, obviously they they picked you very well. But had the, had some of the other ones worked together before? Stephen and Bob had worked together before, um, but no one else had. Now the scenarios, the different things that went on. There was a lot of. I mean, obviously Reg and uh, Reg's character 
Stan and of course um, you know Bob's character Jack yeah. were you know the main thing was they were always after the ladies really and they were always That's after right. they didn't yeah. want to work basically and just wanted to you know get off with the, the with the girls really that was the, that That's was the main right. that was the main thrust of it wasn't it really yeah um, but it was but you know it, it, it led to lots of hilarious um, you know things happening and and um, and, and and you know so today and they probably criticise it as being outrageously sexist and all this kind of stuff but well, the, the, the guys always got their comeuppance didn't they yes. Yes, they did. And funnily enough, we went to Canada with it uh, many years later. And uh, someone said, this is sexist. And uh, we said, well, no, not really. You know, they, and they said, well, we thought it would be. And uh, they, they were quite surprised that we did a, a, a proper farce of people who'd arrived in Canada and they'd lost their money and now they were illegal immigrants and all that rubbish, you know, and getting out of hotels and things like that. Again, written by the two Ronnies, we went to... Uh, Vancouver one year and the following year we went back to Toronto and it, it was successful all, all around the world wasn't it in different oh, places absolutely. Yeah. in fact the other night um, I was switching my telly on and it's got a funny twist sometimes and I switched it on and I thought that's on the buses so I rang my agent to tell him I said on the buses on again can you check for repeats and he said, where, where did you? I said, I can't tell you what channel it was on. I was on something else and it switched. And there it was. And it was the scene where Reg had got engaged to this little clippy who was terribly posh and who was Stephen Lewis's uh, niece. And it was so strange to watch it again. It really was. Yeah. Terrible clothes, Olive War. <laughs> terrible clothes all brown or beige all the colours because I'd say don't give me a colour that suits me don't give me blue or red or anything like that you know keep it neutral but I think everyone knew not an olive to be honest I think I think if I remember rightly growing up in the 70s I remember sort of friends of my mums who were a bit like olive do you know what I mean there was, oh yes there's yes. plenty of olives out there I think to be honest oh yes and there's plenty of men who come out and say have a look at my olive yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the greatest thing that happened that really made me laugh is I was up in Rio getting ready for pantomime and I was walking along the beach and a man shouted, Oi, Olive! And I turned around and he went, You're, um, you're, you're Babs' sister now, aren't you? I'd just gone into his and I said, Yeah, he said, Won't make any difference. Olive once, Olive forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, right, okay. <laughs> yes, I remember being in an office actually, uh, oh, about 15, 20 years ago, and we were all we're in this um, uh, just having a meeting, and I was I was a management person, and it was in radio, and we were all sat in this office, and a lady came past, and everybody who was from a certain generation just looked at her, and we all looked at each other and went, "It's Olive." <laughs> I know. I know. There are a lot of them about, aren't there? There are, yeah. It's bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> so you did, you did very well there on that, on the creation of uh, of Olive. Um, yeah. Now, now, of course, the other thing about um, about Stan and his friend was, of course, they were always getting found out by Blakey, weren't they? That was yeah. the thing. That was the that was the running sort of the run, running joke. And um, yeah, you know it, that that was you know it, it, it was fantastic. And he was he just just talk a bit more about Stephen Lewis. He played that part. Extremely well, because of course he was very different in real life, wasn't he? But yes, it was sort was. of, um, you know, it, it was it was a cartoon esque character in a way. But yes, but but again, um, I think 
we've always we've all found or we've all known people in in work situations who have got that sort of attitude about them, haven't we? Who sort of uh, on the lookout for wrongdoing and sort of no, nosing in everyone's business kind of thing. And yeah. um, so he got that quite right, didn't he? I think. Yes. Yes, I think so. What was his relationship like? Do you think in the in the program with Olive? Because occasionally they came up against each other, didn't they? Um, sort of slight indifference from both parties. I think you know we knew each other, um, obviously, but um, I think all the men thought Olive was very stupid. She was but a joke, and I, and I really didn't mind it. Of course, she wasn't very good at cooking, was she, Olive? No, she wasn't very good at cooking, and nor am I. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather heat something up than cook it. <laughs> um, now, of course, there was loads of fantastic scenarios that you, you went through over the time. And you, I think it was 70-odd, about 71 episodes of Bond the Busters or something. And of I course don't you, know. 74 episodes there were, 74. Oh, really? Yeah, 74 episodes. And I remember of, the one where I played football. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one, because um, I ended up running up and down the football pitch forever in high-heeled shoes and striped socks. Um, I remember that one. That, that sort of stuck in my head because I saw it again years afterwards and thought, oh, my God, I never did that. And, um, of course, when we did the films, my husband had been a stuntman, and he just came in and said to the stuntman, don't let her do anything because she's an idiot. <laughs> and I thought, oh, great, now you're going to... And he said, no, she, she hasn't got any coordination. And the lovely stuntman text, he treated me like I was made of gold. No, you can't do that. Yes, you can do this. You lean this way and I'll make sure you're all right. He was great. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. Again, those films were great, weren't they? I mean, the thing I liked about them as a little boy was yeah. the fact that, because I was into my buses and trains and things like that, yeah. and it was a great opportunity to see these um, these Red Route Master buses on the on the on film. It was, yeah. it was brilliant. But uh, answer me one question. Why were they, the buses in the films red but the buses on the TV series green. I could never get that. The buses on the the buses for the series were green because that was the, the bus depot they used and that they had the deal. But when we did the films, they needed backing from someone else, and Fred Ponting gave them the backing, so we had to have their buses. We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your, in your little, you mean? Yeah, yeah. We all, we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, oh, yeah, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. 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 We all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We going to have this, like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right with this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit Right, I get you. I understand. Yeah. And of course, and of course, the, the films, of course, were out on location outside. Yes. Whereas actually, yeah. the TV series was mainly done inside, wasn't it? Almost always. The most you do is one day filming for, you know. A, 10-day shoot or something like that, you know. Yeah. It was mainly the men who were, were, did the outside work. 
I mean, we've just realized, we just found out there were 74 episodes, which is a lot. Did you remember the series of, you know, the series has been quite long stints in terms of putting them together and everything? Was it a long... No, we did it all, one, one episode per week. Really? Okay, okay. Yeah. One episode per week. We started on a, a Monday or whatever it was, and we did five days rehearsal, then we did one day's technical, and then we did the show. We did it in front of a live audience. Yeah, and I was gonna, I was going to ask about that. I mean, what was what was that like? Because um, obviously no, you enjoyed that, no, yeah. I think it's horrible that I do it without them now. Because when you've got an audience there, you know what's happening because you're getting your feedback, and so you you get a good sort of ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. Think, oh, this is going good. Bang! I can do that. Um, whereas when you work, you know, without an audience, I it's my generation, of course. Um, it's sort of like, I don't know, it, it's something's lacking. And Ashley's chat with Anna Karen, who played Olive in On the Buses, continues after a look at what else is in store on Distinct Nostalgia in the coming weeks and months. Distinct Nostalgia is home to some of the great women of British sitcom. We've got interviews with Felicity Candle from The Good Life and Wendy Craig from Butterflies. There's Linda Robson and Leslie Joseph from Birds of a Feather. Plus Matilda Thorpe, who starred in The Desmonds, and Sherry Hewson and Amanda Barry, recalling their carry-on days. And now three more queens of sitcom are joining us over the summer. Sally Tomzit relives her Man About the House days. She was very good at burning toast, if I remember. Yeah, that's true life. <laughs> I can't cook to save my life. While Anna Karen tells us how she created Olive in On the Buses. They said we want her to be very plain. So we went out for a day and sort of looked around all the bus stations and things. And I saw this woman who looked just like Olive, the hair parted and the glasses and terrible. And I went back and said, that's how I'd like her to be. In fact, the very first episode, I had a fringe for half of it, and then no fringe for the second half because they wouldn't go back and shoot again. So, you know, it, it just stuck. So you were part of the creation of Olive? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Plus, Judy Cornwall, who was Hyacinth's sister Daisy in Keeping Up Appearances, also pops in for a chat. It was very funny. On the on the very first day in the studio, our first scene, Onslow and Daisy, was in bed. <laughs> so we climbed into the bed, lay down and pretended we were asleep, and then the whole bed collapsed and our legs went in the air. And the audience were just uncontrollable. They were falling about. The women of great British sitcom. Available this summer on Distinct Nostalgia. Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast. Listen out for new episodes and scroll through our archives for past programmes wherever you get your podcasts. It went head-to-head with Blue Peter for the affections of kids in the 70s. It was a magazine. So you open a magazine, you have lots of different things in the magazine, and we always did four or five. And a pie is a sort of surprise and you never know what's going to be in it. Magpie was perceived as being a little bit more risque and at its height was pulling in 7 million viewers in its 10 to 5 after school slot on ITV. Just what was Magpie's magic? Yeah, it wasn't difficult to be more hip than Blue Peter. Blue Peter was a conservative show, so there certainly was an attempt to get some of the Blue Peter audience, but it was meant to be just a bit more interesting and a bit more lively. We've brought back three of the show's presenters for a special reunion 
on distinct nostalgia. We were more like the kids, you know, because we were younger, but there was also a feeling of us being a bit more radical, just a bit more in tune with the people that, you know, watched us. We had seven million people watching twice a week. That's Douglas Ray, Mick Robertson and Susan Stranks, back soon for a special Magpie reunion, only on Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast. Go to distinctnostalgia.com or search wherever you get your podcasts. One of the things that kept, that carried on, of course, in the house was obviously between you and your husband, you know, Michael's character, uh, uh, around around your basically around your relationship and whether or not you were having, you were having sex and or not, kind of thing. Yeah. And and that became a regular sort of thing, didn't it? And and sort yeah. of Olive, I think, wanted kids at one point and all that kind of thing. You had all that sort of going on. Um, yeah. Just tell us a bit about that because there was some funny, hilarious um, scenes, weren't well, there, around uh, that? She was. Obviously, ready for sex at any time, any time at all. And uh, but he didn't know. Apparently, he'd had an operation. If I mentioned that, he went potty about it. But we did. When we got the film, we put in a child. Uh, I gave birth to a child. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I had this little baby. I mean, he's now six foot two and a pilot, but. Then he was a little boy, and every time I spoke, he cried. Every time, if I had a funny line, you had no chance of hearing it because he'd cry. <laughs> and that put me right off. <laughs> and people would say things like, "Don't you want one now?" No. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. And I remember some. I remember some of the, the some of the bedroom scenes. You know, the bits in the bedroom, oh, yeah. whatever. That that was that was that was hilarious. It really was. Yeah. Um, just, just. I mean, it, I mean, I mean, it's classic. We've seen it in in other sitcoms. I know whereby. Yeah. I mean, I think George Mildred was very much based around the fact that um, George was no, never interested in sex, and Mildred was, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. But it's, um, but it, but it, it, it is, it is, uh, it is, it is really funny. Do you think that? Um, I mean, do you think Olive was happy? Yes, I think she was quite. I mean, she was married. She loved her husband. He didn't leave her till the very last episode. So um, I think she was, to a certain extent. I don't think she knew any better. No, no, no. You know, I mean, I think there are plenty of women. I I remember a woman who said to me once when I said something about, uh, she said, I've never known what my husband earned. And I said, really? And so she said, yes, I don't think it's right for a woman to know what her husband earns. And I was amazed because I thought everybody knew what their husband earned. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, and this was a woman who had two children and was happily married, and she still did not know how much he earned. Yeah, I think that I think that was common in certain areas. I agree. I think it was. And um, and the other thing, of course, with Olive is that she she had great difficulty when it came to work, didn't she? Occasionally, yeah. she'd do things. I think she went and worked at the bus bus depot several times, didn't she? Different yeah. different capacities. Yeah, quite a few times. Did she, yeah. she 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 what she she was a clippier a few times, wasn't she? Is that right? She was a clippier a few times. She was a chef once. That was disastrous. She looked after the nursery when they were looking for a nursery nurse. That lasted one episode. Yes, she at odd intervals she would go in if there was a job going and you know do it. 
and and often, as you say, creating some kind of disaster. Remind us of that episode when she went in to do the cooking. <laughs> oh my God! I burnt the saucepan right through. It was sticky on the on the stove, and when Reg picked it up, first of all, it was boiling hot, so he burnt his hand. But then, when you saw it, it was all you know, a big black hole. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's coming back to me now. It was a really really good yeah. episode. Then what wasn't wasn't there another one which was I remember is quite really really funny, which was when you'd didn't didn't several of the members of the of the um, of the house go down with flu or something? Do you remember that one? There was one where everyone was ill, and um, and, I, and I wasn't ill, and you weren't ill. No, but the others were ill. I think I can't remember exactly. But so what was I doing? Was I cooking for them? I think you were looking. You were trying to look after them. Yes, I think. I think that was what it was. Yeah. You know, I don't remember that one. Yeah, something, something along those lines. I think you remember rightly. Um, he couldn't do anything, darling. Olive couldn't do anything really. <laughs> she couldn't do anything well. No, no, no. She was one of those people who who couldn't do anything well. She couldn't. Hadn't been found out yet. <laughs> now there's a there was a period, wasn't there, where. Um, I don't know whether it was to do with the strikes or whatever, but there was there was a period when all the episodes were in black and white. Um, that was the beginning. That was right at the beginning, was it? Right, right okay. beginning, and then our second series, we went into colour. Right, okay, okay. And that was really, in those days, I mean, it was really, you had to be so careful because you couldn't wear this colour and you couldn't wear that colour, and, you know, that's when Olive became brown or beige. Yeah, it's. It was, I know it was a difficult period. I also know. It, I remember it being a very big thing because whenever you watch, put the TV on, it says blah 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 in colour. It was a big thing to be in colour, yes. wasn't it, at that particular p- right. particular time? Yes, now, it was. now it, it was. It was obviously hugely successful, as you say. You were like number one in the charts and all the rest of it. What impact did that have on you and your your life at that time? Not a lot, really. I mean, I became recognisable, and I did have. People shouting in the street, which is, you just sort of have to learn to take. You know, at the beginning, I was a bit shy about it. But um, then you reach a stage where you get past that stage. And I, one morning at five o'clock in the morning, the doorbell rang. And I went downstairs with a milkman's son who said, My dad said, If I woke you up now, you'd give me an autograph. <laughs> and you, you couldn't swear at him, you know. Yeah. Five o'clock in the morning. Crazy, crazy, isn't it? Crazy, no. crazy, crazy. And then, you know, you could walk into a a lady's room at somewhere and someone would say, a state of her. And you'd say, hold on a minute, you've just been working on the set with me. But still the state of her, you know. Women women were not struck on Olive. They thought she was a lazy cow. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> um, well, you you were playing it real, really. You were, you were depicting people who were out there, weren't you? That's the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's obviously, yeah. What, obviously what they didn't like uh, yeah. in, in different ways. I mean, do you think... Um, I mean, at the time, obviously there wasn't a massive amount on on TV, and viewing figures were huge generally. Um, yeah. Do you think that um, that other programs, other comedies, learnt from on the buses? Because you were going on for a long, long time, went on for many, many, many years, and other comedies, you know, come and go, and all the rest of it. But do you think do you think quite a few of them learnt from that ensemble cast because it worked very well for a long time, didn't it? I think so. I think they did because uh, up till then they'd had things that were about a husband and wife, you know, where there were just two people and perhaps a neighbour. But suddenly you started finding more in the cast. I mean, we were just lucky. We had six and someone said that's the perfect number. 
because you you can have a lot to do one week and you needn't do too much the next week and you know and things like that and and all our characters were complete contrasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But as, and as you say, you could have you could have little undercurrents of stories going along while the main story was going along, couldn't you? And yes, you could. And having that that you know, the, the story that was going on in the house could be completely different to what the lads were going getting up to at the on the buses, couldn't it? You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. We, and also, it gave you you know two places where things went happen happened and. Uh, Reg was really the only one who was in both places at the same time. Yeah, Bob, Bob Bob's character would occasionally pop up, wouldn't he, at the, yeah. the house and that kind of thing. He'd pop in to have some food uh, cooked by yes. Olive. <laughs> yes. So tell, tell us a little bit more about Doris Hare, because she'd been around a long, long time, and, oh. and she was a really lovely lady. And I remember watching her on her, um, her edition of This Is Your Life, and you didn't realise you know, how far back she went. I mean, you know, tell us a little bit about her and what kind of person well, she I was. Well, she'd worked with Noel Coward. She'd worked with all the greats. She'd been a Cochrane girl when she started. And she started in a family that toured the country in a wagon. In, in the days when you, you had a family in a wagon and they'd get to a village and do a show. And that's what her parents did. And she and her sisters grew up like that. And then uh, she got very successful. Um, and uh, she did a talk on her life story one day when we were in Canada. And it was fascinating because, you know, to think of travelling through Ireland in that cold weather and getting out and doing a show was absolutely incredible. And then to meet Noel Coward, who wrote a song for her about a girl who was uh, born in a little house in Ealing but had married very well. And she, she used to say, um, oh, yes, I remember it well. You know, and great, great um, character she got in it. And she, I mean, she was very kind because when she, when she finished, she said, you can have that if you need it, she said, because you could do it. And I said, oh, thank you. And it, the only times I've used it is if I've been on a cruise where I've had to do a song and I can't sing, so I'd do that. But I mean, and she, she'd worked with everyone, with absolutely everyone. And she also had a very strong uh, strength in her because she would say, if you were in the, the dressing room having a moan, she'd say, you know what you need? And you'd say, what? She'd say, a few weeks out of work. And you think, oh dear, you know. But she was, she was a lovely lady. Great singer. Yeah. Could Olive sing? No. <laughs> no, she couldn't. Doris was the sweetheart of the Navy during the Second World War. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. when we got to Canada... I always remember we were just going on and she said, you better love your mum. And I said, well, I do love you. She said, you better show you love me because there's a lot of the people. That are in the... And she came on to this enormous applause. I'm sure the whole of the Canadian Navy was in there. <laughs> I mean, phenomenal applause. I can imagine. I can imagine. So, um, and as you say about the way she, you know, where she toured around as a as young as youngster. I mean, that yeah. must have that that was a great sort of training ground, wasn't it? To get from there to actually get into the West End and through the Cochrane Girls and then No Cow discovering her and things like that. And um, I remember when he came over to England for something, some sort of anniversary, and she she 
met him that night. And she came in the next day and she really looked the worst for wear. <laughs> and she said it was just so lovely seeing him again. They'd obviously had a good piss up and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you were you were quite young, weren't you, when you were on, on the buses? I mean, you were you were, you were very young, and she was she was getting on a bit, wasn't she? If I remember rightly. Yes. Um, yes. yes. And, but you were the two main women in the in the yeah. series. Did you? Yeah. So do you think you learned quite a lot from working with Doris? Oh, you could learn so much from working with Doris because she knew it all. You know, she knew that if you took a pause now, you'd get a better laugh, and if you turned your head this way, it would, you know. She really did know about it, and she would quite be quite helpful about it. Yeah, I can I, I can imagine. Um, that's interesting to know about Doris because she was she was one she's one of those greats who has been forgotten yeah. about a little bit, to be honest, because she was uh, she was a really really big star, uh, you know, in, in know. the day. And it's sort of um, you know, there's some of these people that I think should be celebrated a bit more. I always think that Peggy Mount is forgotten about a bit, to be honest, because oh, I think she was Peggy fantastic, Mount was wasn't she? Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played uh, Peggy Mann's part in two two different theatre shows. I did uh, the first one and the second one. Oh, really? One, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I met her and I said to her, uh, can you give me some advice? She said, yes, she loves her children. And right. Said, Thank you. You know, and that was all I needed, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. Fabulous, fabulous. So did, um, on the, I mean, On the Buses went on for a long time, went on from 69... Um, through into the into the sort of the, the the mid seventies, and then of course there was the films, and yeah. you know it was a really really successful um, series. And I suppose in a way those all those characters became um, certainly uh, your character and um, and Stephen Lewis's character and, and and Bob's character all became sort of iconic. And it's interesting yeah. what you said about the fact that they've, they've got these little little models of you all kind of thing. It's quite interesting. Um, yeah. So it all became iconic. Did it? sort of then sort of change your life in a way that it sort of ended up typecasting you a bit? I mean, you're bound to be typecasted by Olive, aren't you, really? I, uh, I got a bit of typecasting. I mean, I got typecast as someone who would play a funny woman or uh, uh, a mousy woman. But, uh, no, it didn't, it didn't damage me in any way. I mean, I just got picked for comedy, which is fine with me. Why did it end in the end? Uh, Reg didn't want to do any more. You just had enough at that particular point. Yes. But um, it constantly gets repeated. And, of course, it was remade by the Americans, wasn't it? They did their own version of it, yes, I gather. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes. I've never seen that. What was it like? Do you know? I've never seen it. No. I, I do know it wasn't a success. No, they often aren't, are they? <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> They're not, because they... it's not their humour. No, 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 no. You know. No, they can't replicate it, can they, in America, really? No, they can't. In, in fact, to be honest, it's, it's not really the equivalent of, of, of buses anyway. I mean, they do have buses, but not in the same kind of way, do they, really, in America? No, but the man who played Reg was quite a big star, Dom somebody other. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, you'd have to look it up. But yeah, I'm going to look it up. I'll look it, let me have a look at, let me look it up and see what it was. Lots of Luck, it was called, and yeah. it starred Dom Dom's. Yeah. Dom DeLuz was in a lot of films with Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder that's and people right, like that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's where it... Uh, but yeah, it didn't... Um, uh, the sitcom ran for only one series, 22 episodes in 73, 74. It was not a success and has never been, scre- never been screened in Britain. So uh, so there you are. There you are. What, uh, what, what was it like working at London Weekend? Because at that particular time, uh, London Weekend was where all the big, 
shows other than, I mean, obviously there was Thames as well. But in terms yeah. of ITV, London Weekend was where some of the big entertainment shows were being made, wasn't it? Yes, well, there was um, Please Sir was John Alderton and all the, the, the kids in the school. They all did well. I can't remember because they sort of brought us in at different times. Do you know what I mean? You'd come in as someone else was leaving and you'd leave when someone else was coming in. But they did the Doctor series. They did Stanley Baxter shows. Um, and uh, For children, they did things like Cat Weasel. Um, yes, yes. And then you had things like, in comedy, you had, obviously, on the buses, uh, No Hon Honestly, Please Sir. Um, yes. Mind Your Language, of course, was done by London Weekend as well. Yes. Um, It'll Be All Right on the Night started there, of course. That's right, yes, yeah. Dennis Norton. Yeah, that's right. Clive James on television, Game for a Laugh in later years. Um, but it was a hotbed of, um, of, of creativity, yes. wasn't it? And you had things, big dramas as well that were done there and... You know, it was a good studio. It was a lovely studio. Yeah, yeah. I think upstairs, downstairs was done by London Weekend as yes, well. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. So, 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 what I'm saying is, it, presumably, it was a lovely place to work. A creative, very creative place. It was. A, it was a great place to work. It was good studios, very good studios, um, a good canteen, which is very important if you're there all day. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you if you weren't feeling in the mood for talking to your co-stars, you'd sit at another table and, you know, someone else would come and join you, you know, things like that. And we were working with a group who did impressions, Freddie Starr was on it. Oh, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, I used to have breakfast with Freddie Starr in the morning because he'd say, you don't want to talk to him on this morning, do you? And I said, no. He said, oh, I'll come sit here. He's <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Yeah, nice guy. Sadly, you know, in latter years, he had a Fair dreadful time. time, didn't he? Bless him. You know, it's awful, really, to think about what happened to Freddie Starr in a way. So, when you think back on this period, then I mean, you, you know, it must be it must be quite magical, really, when you think back at what you got up to back in the in the seventies. Well, I do think it was magical because it it sort of changed my life. Yes. You know, uh, because I became recognisable. I was invited to things. Um, Terry Duggan, my poor husband, was out working his butt off but very because he was a stand-up comic to buy me different evening dresses <laughs> you know but um he appeared in a few of the buses too and there were dogs there was a beautiful great dane dog who was in it twice or three times that was mine and uh, the real story was that when his money came in he was earning more than me oh really mm. there you go i said to the director my dog is earning more than i am <laughs> Everyone thinks that our industry is full of um, millionaires and all the yeah. rest of it, and it's it's actually full of a lot of very hard workers, isn't it? Basically, at the yes, end of the it day, is. It is. you know, you it know. Is. And I feel very sad for people now with the fact that no one's putting on anything. They have no idea how much money the theatre brings into this country. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM, and if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you. Do you want a cup of tea? I'll have half a cup. And that caught on. Yeah, that became a kind of catchphrase, I think. It was the hilarious film of 1999. It wasn't anything to do with race or religion or creed or colour. It was as simple as an art student who thinks he's all free and easy creating 
a model of a vagina and showing it to his mum and thinking that that's going to be okay. East is East by Ayub Khan Din broke new ground by portraying a relationship between a British woman and her Asian husband and their mixed-race family growing up in Salford in the early 1970s. A clash of cultures and generations ensues. Oh, frig off and wash your bastard curtains, you dirty cow. And I swear to God, that's one of the best lines I've ever had to say in my life. But the film had a serious side too, tackling both racism and domestic violence. I threw myself and put all my physical strength into trying to stop him, and I couldn't. In Helsinki, they were saying, I can't believe you've made this film. It's incredible because it's showing what life is like for us now. A series of special interviews with Linda Bassett, Leslie Nickel and Chris Bisson. It was a great script and it was a timely thing to tell because it hadn't been told before. They've done all sorts of incredible things to transport you back in time to give you an authentic feel of what it was like. This series of special interviews is available now at distinctnostalgia.com. Our series on comedy writing legends continues as we meet the man behind Britain's favourite grump. I was always very concerned that um, however outrageous and seemingly incredible the plot lines I came up with were, that the key to making them sort of palatable was for the characters to react in a believable way. And so that's really why Victor ended up saying that all the time, was because that he couldn't believe it either. We've been sitting down for a bumper chat with one of Britain's most talented writers and the man who created the legendary character Victor Meldrew in the now iconic sitcom One Foot in the Grave. My dad had taken early retirement, so that seemed to be a device that I felt I could use to my advantage. I mean, it was really about someone with a lot of time on their hands who was just very disgruntled with life around him and you know so I could kind of use it as a bit of a, a, a vehicle for my own complaints and moans about litter in particular. Comedy writing legends in conversation with David Renwick. Listen now at distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget we've an extra one foot in the grave treat Scroll our feed to find an interview with the wonderful Doreen Mantle, who played Mrs. Warboys. Go to distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. So, obviously, you became Olive. Everyone thought of you as Olive. And there's still people today who will always see you as Olive. Oh, but, yeah. But in more recent years, of course, you've been become known as Aunt Sal in EastEnders. Yeah. Uh, how did that part come about? 
just a phone call to my agent, which he'd come along and read for this. And I, I sort of rang Barbara and said, who am I against? And she said, oh, so, 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 so. Uh, but I think the real thing is they, they realised that I was going to be older than Barbara in, the, in EastEnders. And because Barbara was such a big star, mm. they actually thought I would be the only one who wouldn't be frightened of her. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I went, don't you say anything about me. And she said, no, I won't. <laughs> Ansel was an interesting character because, um, oh, she could be, I mean, she's very very different to Olive. She could oh, be, she, she could be caustic, couldn't she? She really oh, could. Oh, yes. <laughs> she was lovely after Olive <laughs> because um, the person I based Olive on, I based on Sal, on that girl's mother. Really, really, that's yeah. inter- that's interesting. So basically, yeah. the, the the sort of the, the the matriarchal mother had had that effect on the daughter. Had she? Is that what you're trying yeah. to say? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Aunt Sel then, and some of the. So, I mean, she obviously she was in it occasionally, wasn't she? But she yeah. always turned up at moments where there was some big thing happening, wasn't? It? And she was able yeah. to throw in a few hand grenades and whatever. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. your uh, your love of playing uh, Aunt Sel. Oh, I thought she was wonderful because she had no scruples at all. She would say, you're not wearing that, are you? You look terrible, you know, and things like this. And when uh, we, Barbara and I had to have a big punch-up row once, and uh, I remember I started it, and we went through the whole scene, and the director said, I'm not going to retake it, it's perfect. And the two girls, Ronnie and Roxy, you know, both said, we really believed you were sisters. Because we were quite capable of having a good stand-up row. Really? She's, yeah, <laughs> she's my best friend, Barbara, you know. So, I mean, we were quite capable of having a row. And um, it was fun. It was fun. And and also, everyone was very, very kind to me when I went there. You know, Ross Kemp sort of said, I, I came in and handed my suitcase to him and went on. And he said to the director, do you see that? And the director said, no, I was on air. He said, well, watch what she's doing. And they were... Terrific, both him and um, Stephen Fadden and Ross Kemp were great to work with. Yeah, yeah. And, and she was in it for a long time, on and off, wasn't she? Many, many yes. years, really. Um, yes. Where, About 13 years, on and off. Where is she supposed to be now, Aunt Sal? Do we know? She lived in Stevenage. Right, okay, okay. So she could still pop in at some point. Yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, what reaction did you get from people to, to Aunt Sal as a character? Well, just someone like you're on sale now, but you'll always be Olive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. It is, it is, it is funny. But it is not. I, I, I did like the fact that uh, caustic,ness it was great to have that kind of character who could just say it what they really think. Bitchy, yeah, it? yeah. Uh, but I think, I think the point is that people. Um, women get to a certain age sometimes. I mean, it sounds sexist to say that, but pe- people generally get to a certain age and actually they just say what they want, don't they? Just say what they want, yes. basically. Yes, they know. do. Yes, they yeah. do. I'm reaching that age at the moment. <laughs> my, my partner's um, grandma is in a, well into her 90s and yeah. uh, she's lovely, she's lovely, but she gets away with so much because, you know, she's sort of 90 you odd. Do. Yeah, she you said what she's... when you're a bit older and you yeah. couldn't do it when you were younger. No, exactly, exactly. All the things you put up with when you're young of people telling you not to do this and not to do that and when you get to an age you think, no, sod it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, um, Anna, it's been lovely to talk to you about uh, both um, Olive and, of course, um, Aunt Sal. When you look back at both of those characters, obviously I know you've done lots of other ones as well over the years, yeah. but when you look back at those two characters, if you had to make a decision of which one you preferred, where, who would you go for? I suppose it would have to be Olive. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Why do you think? Oh. Because she was around longer, and she, uh, she, so people got to know her better. Yes, you were able to yeah. shape her better, weren't you, over time? Yeah. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Um, because because obviously Aunt Sal didn't become a a regular fixture no. and fitting, as it were, kind of thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's been lovely to talk to you. Now, are you the are you the last surviving member of the On the Buses cast yes. now? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 I went to Stephen's funeral a couple of years ago. Yeah. And that was the last. I mean, there are a few people who were bit parts or popped in every now and again who are still around, aren't there? If I remember rightly. Yes, yes, they are. But but there aren't any of the main the main cast around anymore. No, which none is... of the main cast around at all. Michael first, and then Doris and Reg, and then Bob, and then Stephen. And and of course, Reg, Reg though lived to a very ripe old age, didn't he? he was um, yes, he was down in Torquay. Yeah, yeah, no, he did. Uh, yeah. He did really well. I looked something up the other day. I can't remember what it was now. I noticed that he was. Wasn't he the first person to use a an ATM machine or something? Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. I remember that. Back in the was it was the sixties sometime, wasn't it? I think if I remember yes, rightly. Yes. Yeah, they used him as the publicity, just trying to show how people how to use an ATM machine back in right, back in that yes. period. No, that was, that yes. was excellent. Did you get any extra things like that? Was there, did what, did you as a because you've been playing Olive? Did did you? Yes, as, you do. You get uh, invitations to. Uh, you know, sort of present the prizes of the thing which you get paid for. Yeah. And, you know, and come and be a guest of honour here and and you get invited to premieres and things. I mean, it's 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 very sort of overpowering at the beginning. Of course. But, it, but it's nice. It, on the Buses was done on stage as well, wasn't it, at one point? Was that right? You yes, did it on stage, we did, yeah. Uh, we did it twice in Canada. Yeah. And we did... We did Bob and Stephen and I did summer seasons in Torquay and in Great Yarmouth. And Reg went to Australia. So I think we all sort of did it a bit more. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I know obviously you, you, you played in front of a studio audience when you were making them. But yeah. what was it like to do the, to do theatre, direct theatre on them? Oh, I love direct theatre. Yeah, yeah. I, I really love it. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's just a, such a lovely, warm feeling. And when we went to Vancouver, I mean, that opening night was like, oh my God, you know, I, people were standing and cheering and we'd, we were still thinking, oh, did we do it right, you know? But, uh, it, and of course, Doris, you know, was the sweetheart of the Navy and the whole Navy was in for the opening night. Anna, it's been lovely, lovely to talk to you about about your uh, your illustrious career because you've had a fantastic time, really. Over oh, this spanned uh, a long time, hasn't it? Really, when you think about it, we're talking. You know, on the buses started in 1969. Where no, no, uh, no, don't ask me how. <laughs> I'm not going to. Don't worry, I won't. I won't do that. You don't ask a lady how old she is. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, just the final question: Do you think on the buses could be done today? They thought about it a little while ago, and. It just couldn't work out. It, they wanted to have Reg in charge of his own bus depot. It was me working in the office, and the person who gave him his license was Blakey, but it never happened. I don't know what happened about it. 
So they were, so they were, they were looking to they're thinking about doing a remake at some point. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But it's never the same, is it, when they bring things back in no, many ways? No, no, it isn't. It isn't the same. Yeah. And and it's silly to try to do it because you can't do it as well as you did it the first time. I know there's been there's seventy odd episodes of of on the buses. I don't think I've I still don't think I've seen them all yet. Um, I've seen pl- quite a few of them, but uh, I think yeah. there's a few that, are, that I've not managed to see because they do keep getting repeated on a regular basis, actually. Yes, um, which is which is which is good, and you, you've got to keep chasing those repeat fees. You must do that. <laughs> so yeah, lo- lovely to talk to you. Nice nice to speak to you, Anna. Nice to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Anna Karen talking to Ashley during the height of lockdown last year. And our Funny Women series continues next time as I sit down for a chat with Judy Cornwell, who played Daisy in Keeping Up Appearances. Until then, bye for now. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM. And don't forget you can find loads of great interviews, reunions, plus new drama and comedy at distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Distinct Nostalgia more than a podcast. Listener.